Hello everyone and welcome to the preview show for Wimbledon Men's Draw on Tennis with an Accent. This is Saqib and we have the honor of uh, hosting this show with uh, Hannah Wilkes uh, who's uh, dialed in from UK and you, most of you know of her work. She's an editor of Live Tennis. She's contributed for The Guardian and Tennis.com in the past. So I think that's a pretty self-explained introduction. Uh, her voice is you know, one of the known voices on Tennis Twitter. Uh, welcome, Hannah. Thanks for doing this on a Sunday. I'm sure it's busy, but uh, I really appreciate for uh, you to join on such a short notice. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, just look at this draw uh, and this 132nd edition of the Men's Championship. And Roger Federer, who's going to be 37 soon, is a defending champion and world number two, but seeded number one. And his projected path could have been tougher. So I think he's also, uh, in my opinion, dealt a reasonable draw. Uh, scheduled to meet Kevin Anderson in the last eight. Uh, do you see this matchup materializing and uh, and what are Roger's chances after a subpar event in Halle? But then he did look good against Raonic and Kyrgios in Stuttgart a few weeks ago. Yes, uh, it's it's definitely true that Federer not playing as well as he might have done in Halle, uh, where he kind of scraped through a, a couple of matches and then ended up losing to to Chorich in the final. It's true that him not looking as as well as good as he might have done in Halle kind of does add a little bit of intrigue uh, ahead of ahead of the start of Wimbledon. Uh, but I think he has to be fairly happy with his draw. Uh, I think it's a kind of, you know, testing but not too challenging one. Uh, it's definitely the quarter of a lot of the big servers. Uh, he has Ivo Karlovic as a potential third round opponent, um, Sam Querrey and Gilles Muller, as well as Kevin Anderson, are among potential quarterfinal opponents. Uh, so, and it, obviously, with uh, when it's Wimbledon, you do expect the likes of Muller and Anderson and Query to be at their most dangerous. But again, I I think it's a, a case of Federer probably being tested and played into form rather than being seriously challenged. Um, Obviously, when the draw uh, first came out, one of the things you instinctive you that everybody immediately picked up on was a, a potential fourth round rematch with Chorich, who beat him in straight sets in the Halle final. I believe it was straight sets. Uh, uh, three sets. Oh, was it three? Okay, sorry, my bad. Um, can't remember what happened two weeks ago, apparently. Uh, yes, but uh, actually, I think that Chorich um, has quite a tricky first round opponent in. Daniel Medvedev. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if actually Federer didn't have to go through Torich to make the quarterfinals. Uh, in terms of who he would likely face, obviously Kevin Anderson is his projected opponent. But I think that it could quite possibly instead be Gilles Muller, who tends to play his best at Wimbledon. Um, uh, either Gilles Muller or possibly Sam Quarry, of course, who uh, played such a significant role in the tournament last year. Yeah, those two really have been playing well, and so has Anderson. Uh, and just, uh, I know you did mention, and uh, you expect uh, a surgeons of this kind of a player, uh, the Quarry, Muller, or Anderson, because Big Sirs is a big boy tennis, and they, uh, they their game uh, still suits best to grass court tennis. Uh, but also, I think, in a way, Federer and Nadal, both, both guys kind of did avoid the likes of Nick Kyrgios, I think, who probably has an equally big serve but just packs that extra punch and grass. 
And in that way, Federer's draw, even if it's one of those three, Federer has a pretty good record against Query, Muller, and Anderson. I don't, I'm not even sure if he's lost to any of those three. Uh, and there's also certain Richard Gasquet, who's, uh, who's somewhat considered a grass court, you know, not a specialist, but he really likes playing on grass. Uh, do you see him making any inroads or you see him not going beyond Query? Uh, I I don't see him going beyond Query, I will say, um, just because uh, he hasn't really seemed terribly incisive anywhere of late. Um, yes, I think that uh, while Richard Gasquet on a grass court is a lovely sight for for fans of uh, of classical tennis, uh, I'm putting that in sarcastic rotation marks but obviously you can't see that uh I think the while Richard Gascon or Grasscourt is a is a lovely site I just I think that he is just fundamentally too much of a defensive player if Query is playing his best uh I, I yes I don't see Gasquet coming through that one sure so we have a uh, Federer versus Mueller uh, according to you and uh, the the potential semi-final on seeding is Marin Cilic, who's definitely playing uh, some of the best tennis of his life as uh, he was pretty impressive in that uh, Queen's final uh, not too long ago against Novak Djokovic, who's had his number in their career head-to-heads, only losing to one, uh, I think only losing once to Cilic in a 2016 Bercy quarterfinal. Uh, so Cilic showed something special in that match because Djokovic, who's almost back to that level, is still you know, lacking the confidence of Djokovic of old because that confidence comes from winning matches. I'm sure uh, he's going to be pretty solid, uh, pretty tough to beat at Wimbledon. But Djokovic of the old wouldn't have lost it. But at the same time, for Chilich to be across the net, you still have to battle those demons. You're playing a man who's pretty much owned you in every department of a tennis match. And now you're down in the second set tiebreak and you still manage to reverse that. Uh, so what does that do to Chilich's confidence according to you? Uh, is he clearly the man to beat uh, in his path to the semi-finals for you? Uh, in my mind, absolutely, Chilich is the is the man to beat. Uh, I was so impressed with the way that he played against Djokovic in that Queen's Club final and the way that he managed to really impose himself on that match. And it was just it was just a very confident week from him. Uh, it doesn't really kind of get talks about that much, but. You know, Chilich has actually made two Grand Slam finals in the last twelve months. Like that's not uh, that's not an accident. Um, he is definitely improving all the time as a as a Grand Slam player, as a big match player, and I think that he has a a decent draw. Um, it's difficult to see him getting too significantly challenged. Uh, at least through his first three matches. He could potentially face either Milos Raonic, obviously another former Wimbledon finalist, or Luca Puy in the fourth round. So I think either of those would definitely be entertaining, but on his Queen's Club showing, you would certainly back Chilich to come through. Um, then you have, there's a very soft section here, no offence to John Isner's, many fans. Um, there's a soft section here where uh, John Isner and Pablo Carreño Booster are the seeds in this small section. Difficult. There's nothing really threatening there. You do have a very interesting section here, which includes at the bottom of this quarter, which includes uh, Stefano, Stefanos Tsitsipas. 
uh, and Grigor Dimitrov, who of course faces Stan Vavrinka in the first round. I mean, that is a, a very entertaining little section to watch during the first week. But you would probably still back Dimitrov to come through that. And I simply don't think that Dimitrov at this point is, is anything like the big match player that, that Cilic is. No, yeah, absolutely right. And Dimitrov, uh, you know, did show some, some some life at the end of uh, last year or even, even Cincinnati. And then he went on to win the, the World Tour Finals. But he's been, uh, safe to say, he's been very disappointing considering, you know, the talent and expectations that surrounded him. And you can say this is a second coming. He, he seemed more assured and seemed to be coming in Australian Open with uh, some momentum. And since then, it's only been downhill. And um, I think... M- most uh, unseeded players wouldn't mind to be around the Dimitrov section. Of course, his game is uh, kind of suited to grass, a grass court play, and he can he can reverse you know this losing skid and put on a run. But uh, you're right, I'm with you on that one. Uh, in fact, I have a change of heart. I think Sitsipas, uh, if he can get through Donaldson, uh, he might be a little uh, too much for Dimitrov at this stage. Uh, I, I see an upset there. I don't know if you agree. Uh, if Sitsipas uh, can knock off Dimitrov uh, to go and play Chilich in the quarterfinals. Uh, what's your what's your take on that? Uh, I think that, well, I think if a Tsitsipas Dimitrov third round does come to pass, I think we'll all be delighted, for one thing. Um, everyone will want to watch that one. I'm not fully sold on Tsitsipas uh, as yet, but he definitely doesn't lack for... Um, Definitely doesn't lack for self-belief, which is great. Uh, I think that, yes, I think that either Jarrod Donaldson or possibly Malek Jaziri, who has improved a lot this year, uh, is having a bit of a late career surge. I think that's the the biggest barrier for for Tsitsipas. And I think if he gets through that, I can can absolutely see him beating Dimitrov. So who are you placing in the quarterfinals? And with the sorry, with the with the winner of that one coming up against the winner of the Isna Corona Booster section, that could actually really be a golden chance for for the likes of Sitzpass to to make the quarterfinals. And I think I will still stick with I think I still stick with my original pick of Dimitrov though, okay. just on the basis of him being a little more of a known quantity. No, that, that's fair because you know he's he's been a Wimbledon semi-finalist and. He's played those big matches compared to the rest of... Uh, of course, you know, Wawrinka is coming back. Uh, still uh, early days in grass, even when Wawrinka was playing his best tennis, grass wasn't his best surface. So we are plugging in... No, t- and Wawrinka uh, and was so poor in Eastbourne in that match against Murray. Uh, I think that if he'd acquitted himself a bit better there, I would give him a much better shot at, at upsetting Dimitrov. But he just didn't look... Physically, mentally, really prepared to be on the course in that match against Murray. So, I think that kind of yes, definitely undermines his chances of uh, upsetting Dimitrov in the first round. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm, I think most most of us are leaning that way. Uh, Dimitrov, Wawrinka, maybe there's a chance, but I don't see many are seeing uh, Stan Wawrinka making a, a lot of progress in these championships. Uh, it'll be a nice sight if he does, but. Uh, all signs are pointing otherwise, uh, if you're just considering form and his recent play. Uh, before we switch to the bottom half, uh, let's talk about the breaking news of Andy Murray not playing. Uh, this is something, uh, not a surprise, a lot of people are saying it's a wise move because uh, he's already lost so much time to health and injury, so uh, he shouldn't rush back to court because five set, uh, best of five is definitely a different, uh, different animal and 
if he does feel a little bit of uncertainty, the best uh, best option is to stay put and just you know practice and work out whatever fitness levels that are missing. Are your thoughts on that? I know you were pretty excited for him to make the commitment to play this, and now uh, as an analyst and also as an Andy Murray fan, uh, are you okay with the mm-hmm. decision? Uh, yes, I mean, I was. If you'd asked me three weeks ago, would Andy Murray play Wimbledon, and people did ask me that, I said that I thought there was almost no chance. So, in a way, it's, in a way, it's been surprising that he's almost come as close to playing as he has. Uh, I think that if it, I think that there's very little, there's very little doubt about the fact that if this was any other tournament, he would not have really even considered playing um I think he desperately wanted to play mainly uh almost to give himself give himself a, a an emotional boost after what has been an incredibly tough year for him uh, I think it is without question the most sensible decision not to play uh but I think it will be a bit of a a bit of a heartbreaker for him a bit of a personal blow to miss this particular tournament yeah, but um, yes, a, a, a real shame, certainly. But I mean, all you can do at this point is uh, is take him at his word when he says that he'll be practicing for hard courts from tomorrow, and uh, hope that hope that we're going to see him in in August, maybe. Uh, and do you have any reservations for how late this decision is coming? I mean, this could have easily been. Uh, according to many, easily been announced before the draw. So why wait till the draw comes out and now another lucky loser gets in? Uh, uh, do you have any reservation on that decision? And even Alexander Dolkopolov, I think uh, last year he was uh, on one of the center court matches against either Federer or Djokovic and he couldn't finish the match. And that's when the whole uh, con- conversation you know, started. Uh, a lot of people were engaged in this conversation that why let players who are half fit Enter and same uh, same thing again mm. this year. Uh, Dolgopolov again after the draw, joining Murray and, and I think there are three withdrawals already. So your 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 thoughts on this? Well, I think that I can I can understand people saying why why wait that long to withdraw. I think probably it's not so much. Um, I think probably again like it's more of a reflection of how much Murray wanted to play this tournament if he possibly could. Uh, I think that probably what's happened is that he thought that he probably wouldn't do himself any harm and something has happened in practice, maybe even today, this morning, or maybe he woke up this morning and did not physically feel as good after intensifying his practice in preparation for Wimbledon. Um, I don't think that it would be very different. It would be different if he was seeded and he had significantly disarranged the draw, which is certainly something he's done in the past. Um, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference, really, just to just see him pull out and have a, a lucky loser replace him. And I, while we have obviously seen the that change of that rule change have a, a make a tremendous difference in terms of. Play a lot more players pulling out after the draw has taken place, rather than risk getting a mammoth fine. I don't think that I don't think that will have factored into into Murray's decisions. Um, yes, again, I think it's a case that he wanted to play, even if even though he thought it perhaps wasn't the best idea, or certainly the people around him thought it wasn't the best idea. Uh, but something 
happened when he woke up this morning or in practice today that made him made him realize it really wasn't the best idea uh do you think that's fair i don't know yeah. i think i i think that's reasonable enough yeah i think i agree i think as a seed you can uh, affect the draw because the lucky loser will be plugged in, in place of a seeded player but as an unseeded player i don't think murray uh, decision has that much or, or any impact in that regard. Yeah, tournament lost a former champion and a big name. But besides that, I don't think it disturbs the draw at all. Uh, on that note, let's look at the bottom half where the first section has a Dominic team and his scheduled quarterfinal opponent is Sasha Zverev. And uh, teams uh, living at the top of this uh, mini section, which has a lot of clay court specialists like Ferrer. And uh, then there's a Verdasco who can play well on hard courts as well. And uh, Hashinov, who's uh, also played okay on clay, but, you know, reached the third round last year at Wimbledon, lost to Nadal pretty routinely. And uh, is Dominic team, you know, coming off uh, the final loss in, uh, in Roland Garros, uh, can, he, can he survive the first few rounds and actually be a factor in second week and keep uh, a second, uh, second week date of quarterfinal with Sasha Zverev? I mean, is that too much to ask? Uh, for, to my mind, Yes, uh, I don't think that team. I don't think that teams. Uh, there's anything wrong with his state of mind or his confidence. I just think that if there, if there was one player who was very much the loser when this draw uh, was done, it was Dominic Team because this really is the quarter of death in many ways. Uh, I think that even before he gets to the second week he has some really tough players in that section to contend with. Uh, Marcus Bagdatis is not not an easy first-round opponent on grass. Um, and in the third round, he could face Vidasco, who's, Fernando Vidasco, who is a, a former Wimbledon quarter-finalist and can play very well on grass. There's also uh, Julian Beneteau in that mini-section, who's a potential third-round opponent for team, who is, again, um, a really quite a formidable opponent on grass, even though he is obviously winding down his career at this point. And then, of course, in the if team does make it to the round of 16, it seems overwhelmingly certain that he'll have to contend with Novak Djokovic. And I simply don't see team winning that match. Uh, I thought Djokovic played very well at the French Open. I know things went wrong for him against Chachinato, but I still thought that he looked very good up until then. You know, it's it's very much that just like last like 5% of confidence that he's missing at this point. And I thought that was evident again at Queen's where he played, I thought, very well uh, and played well at, well in the final. Um, he, just came up, he just came up against Marin Cilic, who is so formidable on the surface and was playing so well. So I think for me, I very much see this eighth of the draw as Djokovic's to dominate rather than rather than teams. I think if team I think team will have done very well if he makes it to the second week with the players that he might potentially have to go through. And I would not be surprised at all if he was knocked out by Vidasco, Benito. And also in this quarter, of course, oh, this is this, this is the fun quarter. This is the fun quarter in the quarter of death and the quarter that uh, everybody is going to be keeping an eye on. Because in the bottom eighth of this quarter, you have Sasha Zverev, Nick Kyrgios and Kei Nishikori. 
Yeah, I think uh, this is uh, where some of the exciting matchups can happen, provided Zverev is still, you know, uh, healthy. He's he's recovered uh, from the hamstring uh, strain. And then uh, Kyrgios is there and uh, uh, Kei Nishikori is there. So uh, this is a, qu- a quarter that's, uh, that can be, you know, very exciting as the second week starts. And on that note, uh, let me clarify, I just uh, didn't see the draw that closely and and definitely instead of team the question would have surrounded Djokovic he clearly is playing uh, very clean tennis again uh, still his levels are an expectation are pretty high at least uh, that's the kind of body work he's set for us but I think yeah in Queens he did look and even across Halle I think for that week he did look the best player across both fields till Chilich won that final so Djokovic Edmund if that match does take place uh, does the local hope have any chance on the surface according to you if they were to play in the third round for an upset? Uh, to, to, to my mind, and, I'm, and I apologise to my country, uh, no, I don't think that Kyle Edmund does really have a chance. Uh, on clay or on hard courts, the conversation might be different, but as much as Edmund has improved his fitness, his movement, his footwork, all of which he has massively improved this year I just don't think that grass is a good surface for him I think it will be far too easy for a player as a player as accomplished as Djokovic to to expose his backhand take time away from him and the forehands and just make him look a bit slow really so yes I don't see Kyle Edmund posing much of a threat to Djokovic should they meet in the third round in fact I could see Kyle Edmund very much going out in the second round to Sugita, possibly. And uh, who are your qualifiers? But yes, this this section of the draw is, is definitely Djokovic's to dominate, as, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, fair enough. So who makes the quarterfinals uh, from the team Zverev? Uh, is it Djokovic Zverev, or are you leaning towards Kyrgios? Djokovic. For, for, for me, I'm, I'm predicting a Djokovic-Kyrgios quarterfinal. Uh, I think Kyrgios has talked a good game coming in. Uh, we've Admittedly, we've seen that before and then it's turned out to be a bit of a mirage, but I think Kyrgios has a decent draw. Um, obviously, it's tricky to play Kanish Khoury in the third round, potentially, but if you are going to play Kanish Khoury in the third round of a Grand Slam, you want it to be Wimbledon, where he's never particularly played very well. Uh, and I think that a likely fourth round against Sasha Zverev won't hold too many fears for Kyrgios. I think on this surface, uh, I think you, I think you would give him the slight edge over Zverev. So yes, I would in this in this quarter. I think a Djokovic Kyrgios quarterfinal. Is uh, is indicated? Yeah, I think that's how I'm leaning, and I'm still thinking Zverev is little away from being fully fit, that will have a huge uh, impact if he were to advance and play the likes of Kyrgios or Djokovic. So, yeah, I think Kyrgios, uh, Djokovic, that's, uh, that's in, you know, in all fairness, is a good likelihood. Again, you know, they both can lose early, but I think given the current form, what they've shown, uh, that's, uh, yeah, th- that's a good possibility. And wrapping this up uh, is uh, world number one and number two seed Rafa Nadal and Juan Martin Del Potro. Uh, Del Potro hasn't, I think, uh, done well at Wimbledon since reaching the 2013 semis. He probably missed few Wimbledon, and then uh, uh, last couple of years, he's uh, uh, 
he's been upset. I think uh, he, he's been beaten by Luca Pui and uh, Ernest Gulbis. So let's talk about Del Potro first. Uh, what are your expectations mm-hmm. around his game? And uh, and do you think he can make a run for the second week? Well, I hate to say it uh, because, as many people know, I'm I'm a big fan of Del Potro, but I do not think that he is going to make much of an impact on this draw. Um, he hasn't played a warm-up event, which I think hurts him. Uh, I think that he is obviously more prone to early exits at Wimbledon than than anywhere else where I think it's easy to easy to expose uh some of the more awkward aspects of his game put it that way and I also think that he has a potentially very dangerous second round opponent in Feliciano Lopez who has not played tremendously well of late obviously did not succeed in in defending his Queen's Club title but is a such a classy and accomplished player on a grass court uh, and with the kind of aggressive game that can make Del Potro look rather laboured on this surface. So I'm definitely tagging the fifth seed for an early exit, probably at the hands of Luciano Lopez. Uh, and he, even, even if he gets past Lopez, he would probably have to face well, he would have to face the overwhelming likelihood is either Denis Shapovalov, Jeremy Shardy or Benoit Paire in the third round, all of whom I think are very capable of beating Djokovic on a grass court. Um, and all of whom have uh, have played some good tennis recently. Jeremy Shardy played very well at Queen's, Paire played very well in Halle. Shapovalov, I thought, played pretty well against Muller at Queen's, although he did actually lose in straight sets. Um, Yes, so I'm thinking an early exit for Del Potro and a fourth round showing quite possibly for Shapovalov. I think that if he can get past Jeremy Shardy in the first round, I think there's uh, definitely potential for him to to make the second week. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good first round match, uh, Shardy and uh, Shapovalov. That that match that match has written uh, you know potential uh, five sets or at least a lot of shot-making. They both are capable of hitting the tennis ball really hard. And then, uh, like you said, Shardy is coming on some serious grass court momentum from the Challenger Tour, uh, a title he won. And then he's also played well uh, on the other tournaments he's entered. And uh, who's coming out for the quarterfinal here? If it's not Del Potro, who are you placing as your quarterfinalist from this section? Well, probably... if I, I mean, I, I think that that mini-section that is... Pair Shardy and Shapovalov is very unpredictable, but uh, I'm going to back Shapovalov again. I think that if he gets through that first round with against Jeremy Shardy, um, I think that could potentially give him a tremendous amount of confidence, and uh, I can I can see him coming through to the quarterfinals because the other part of this story is that 18th seed Jack Sock um, is in this. In this, uh, in this eighth of the draw, and Sock, as we know, is struggling to win anything at the moment. Uh, also, you've got Tempsey David Goffan as a potential quarter finalist, but Goffan is opening against Matthew Ebden. He's been playing pretty well recently, and yeah, I can uh, I can see Shapovalov coming through to the quarterfinals. Uh, that might be a bit of a sentimental pick because I think everybody would love to see. 
a young guy and in particular Shapovalov who seems to have such a an electrifying effect on the crowds come come through to the quarterfinals but but I can definitely see it happening no, I don't disagree because Shapovalov, uh, irrespective of the results he's got in his young grass court career, he definitely is made for the big stages. He's one of those guys uh, who plays well. At least that's the perception. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep track on that kind of a pick. And if Shapovalov does advance, it'll make for an exciting tournament. Uh, last but not the least, let's look at the world number one and second seed, Rafa Nadal, who has had his rough uh, rough outings at Wimbledon since reaching those five finals in a row. Uh, He's lost against some big servers. He's lost against Steve Darcy. And then, you know, and then Dustin Brown. There was another loss that, you know, Brown was playing phenomenal tennis that day. Uh, you think Nadal uh, could be disappointed with this draw? Or this is a draw he's, he's fancying his chances, given his recent heartbreaks at Wimbledon? Yes, I think that, well, first of all, let me say that I, I do think it is less than ideal that he was not able to play a warm-up event. Um, I think that it hurts him coming into Wimbledon without any grass court matches, even if it does mean he is he is slightly better rested. Uh, and I think that he would have, as consequence, played Queens if he realistically could have, because I think he knows that. But um, where the draw is concerned, I really don't think he can have too many complaints, uh, because if you look at the players that... He's facing earlier on. Early on, um, you know his potential fourth round opponents: Diego Schwartzman, Fabio Fanini, or maybe Florian Meyer um, could face Marco Cecchinato in the third round. Who obviously had such a memorable run at the French Open, but remains almost a totally unknown quantity on grass. Um, starting at Judy Seller, like he's not really facing anyone who is going to come at him with all-out aggression and blow him off the court, uh, which has traditionally been the type of player that he has really struggled against at Wimbledon. So I actually think this might be Nadal's best chance in a while to reach the quarterfinals. Um, I I anticipate. I think that I think that Mikhail Kukushkin in the second round, who has actually played very well at Wimbledon in the past. I think that could be a potential danger match. Uh, but Kukushkin's fitness is always questionable. And if Nadal gets past that one, which I imagine he will, uh, I think it's very difficult to see him losing before the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah. So I don't think Nadal can have too many complaints about the draw. Definitely put it that way. Okay, so uh, going on what we have uh, discussed so far, Nadal Shapovalov is something we have. And now let's uh, work the draw from the top to the bottom. Uh, Federer Mueller, uh, uh, are you replacing uh, Roger Federer in the semis? Absolutely. So how I see that playing out is I think that by the time Federer gets to the quarterfinals where I've predicted that he'll face Jill Muller, but it, it could be Sam Quarry or, or Kevin Anderson. I think that he'll be playing nicely. I think he'll be in the groove, uh, and I think he'll come through that one comfortably. Okay, and then your original pick was uh, the two seeds. This is where you placed both seeds stuck in the seeding, and Marin Cilic and Grigor Dimitrov. How is that going to unfold? And who will play Roger in the semifinals? Uh, I think that I was... So impressed by Cilic at Queen's Club. I think he will beat Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, I think he's I think he's just proving himself 
honestly, to be at the moment the more consistent performer in Grand Slams and, and in big matches. So, especially, well, over the best of five sets, certainly. So, I think uh, I think we're looking at, at a Chilich-Federer semi-final in the top half, which goes according to seeding, which is a bit of a boring pick. But, uh, yeah, I think it's very difficult to see any other any other semi-final in the top half. Sure, so Chilich Federer, and then let's look at the blockbuster quarterfinal we projected. At least, uh, you know, it'd be a nice match if it does place uh, Kyrgios Djokovic. That has written box office all over it. And how is that going to play out uh, in best of five sets? Yeah, well, I think we could be looking at, honestly, two really incredible quarterfinals in, in the bottom half if uh, we do see Djokovic play Kyrgios and Nadal play Shapovalov. Uh, if Kyrgios... And Djokovic, hap- if Kyrgios against Djokovic happens, I would really struggle to see Djokovic losing that one, to be honest. Um, I, while I have predicted Kyrgios to come through to the quarterfinals, I don't think he's going to manage to do that without quite a few protracted matches. I think his, um, and I think by the time he gets to the quarterfinals, if he does get there, I think his his tendency to play those longer matches will really count against him against somebody somebody like a Djokovic. Uh so yes, I I can see Djokovic I can see Djokovic laying down a bit of a marker with a confident statement win should he face Kyrgios in that, in that quarter final. And that'll be a huge win if Novak does uh, if this match first of all does take place and if Novak beats uh Kyrgios, I think that'll be the punctuation mark that I think Djokovic would need to, you know, to kickstart, you know, his, his campaign to be that elite player once again. Uh, and it's very likely that he can do that because he's won this thing three times. And uh, and who will be the semi-final opponent? Will it be Rafael Nadal or Denis Shapovalov? Uh, how are we leaning uh, for that one? I think I think this is going to be Nadal's first semi-final for, for a while. I think that if he faces Shapovalov again, I think if Shapovalov makes it to the quarterfinals, as I have predicted he will, I don't think that's going to happen without him playing quite a few lengthy matches. Uh, and I would I would anticipate that those matches and the the magnitude of playing a Grand Slam quarterfinal and everything that goes with it, I would expect that all to catch up with him and for Nadal to come through to the semi-finals. So, yes, I think we could be looking at a Nadal-Djokovic semi-final in the bottom half of the draw. And let me throw a curveball because there's a lot of time uh, this kind of discussions happen. If this is the quarterfinal lineup that we, you and I just discussed, so most likely Federer and uh, Djokovic will get center court, and if Nadal and Shapovalov plays in court one, do you think that playing on court one, which is, uh, again, by uh, according to many, is slightly quicker, uh, you think that gives Shapovalov any edge? If, uh, or that doesn't change a thing in your opinion? I don't think that will make a significant difference. Um, I think maybe if you're... If... If you were looking at the, if you were looking at the possibility of Nadal facing uh, facing Gilles Muller, for example, or that kind of big server, I could see that giving them a slight edge. But honestly, I I just don't think that would be much of a factor. Okay, so now we have your semi-finals all set. We have Roger Federer versus Marin Cilic, and then uh, Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal. Who's going to play in the Wimbledon final, and who's winning, Hannah? Well, I think that once again, we are going to see a rematch of the Queen's Club final in the Wimbledon final. I think that 
should Chilich and Federer meet in the semi-finals, based on how both of them played over the last couple of weeks and over the past 12 months, uh, I think that Chilich, I think that Chilich will never have a better opportunity to beat Federer, perhaps, uh, in a big match. I think that, I think that if Chilich and Federer meet in the semi-finals, I think Chilich could well be the winner and come through to the Wimbledon final again. Uh, in the bottom half of the draw, if Djokovic and Nadal meet in the semi-finals, I think this is Djokovic's Djokovic's match. Um, I think as much as we, as much as well, we as much as so many people would love to see a Federer and Nadal rematch in the final ten years on from their famous uh, famous final in two thousand and eight, and as much of a great story as that would be, I think it's actually going to be their opponents, Chilic and Djokovic, who are going to come through. And uh, I can I can see Chilic winning that one. I think that when he is confident, when he's playing well, when he's uh, managed successfully to to close out the world, uh, I think that he can be almost unbeatable on the surface. And I think he might prove that this fortnight. Wow, so there you go. Marin Cilic, Wimbledon champion 2018. That's what's coming from the Tennis with an Accent product, uh, prediction show. So, Hannah, that was, I think, wonderful again. <laughs> And uh, a lot of people will be surprised, but a lot of people, you know, may not be happy. But, you know, these are predictions and let's see how this plays out. But, yeah, beating Djokovic and Federer back-to-back to win his first Wimbledon is going to put Marin Cilic in very elite company. Uh, he's already an elite. It would be, it would be, a, it would be a hell of a feat uh, and it would be an amazing story where he's to do that. Yeah. So, once again, Hannah, thanks for doing this and I shall release this very soon. And, uh, yeah, maybe we should do this again. Uh, it's always uh, nice talking to you on, on this platform. Well, you might, not, you might not want me back when you see how poorly these predictions play out over the next two weeks. But, uh, yes, we'll have to see. I'm sure that even whether I'm magnificently right or totally wrong, uh, I think it's still going to be great fun to watch what happens over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for doing this.